Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I had a really good day. I, uh, I sold like three things on Facebook Marketplace. So like I was running around on my lunch break and after work and stuff. <laughs> and then I turned around and I made like $55. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I was productive today, even in my off hours. <laughs> that is not a bad way to uh, use your off hours. Make money. Yeah. Not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we are not alone on nope. this podcast. Uh, we actually have a guest. Uh, today, uh, if you have heard us before, he actually joined us on the Sonic the Hedgehog episode a little <laughs> over a year ago. That's right. At this point. Yeah. yeah. It, this was yeah. 2020 movie, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, but joining us today is Bobby Orlando. <laughs> Hi. Sorry. It just hit me that that was just last year. That feels like an eternity ago that I Sonic know. came out. I know. It was we a different time. Talk- a different it was a period. different time. Yeah. Like we were talking about how much Olive Garden was central to the plot of that movie. <laughs> Olive Garden. That's right. And- you there. Your family. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Now, uh, the reason why we have Bobby on the episode today is because this is a pretty big deal in the world of movies. Uh, Before we get started and do anything, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Lastly, if you're a flan, if you're a flan, <laughs> if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod. <laughs> Before we continue, I did want to give a chance. Uh, Bobby, how have how have you been in this last year? Uh, it's I've just been rewatching Sonic the Hedgehog over and over and over again for the past 365 days, practically. Um, no, I've been good. I've been real good. It's, it, you know, just just crazy COVID times. Crazy COVID, COVID times, times, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking of crazy, I will go ahead and use that as my segue. Uh, we are going to talk about something that I wouldn't say it's unprecedented because we've had definitely a lot of director's cuts of movies but this one feels different and we are talking about Zack snyder's justice league it's actually titled that way Zack <laughs> snyder's justice league yes uh this is a four hour cut of the justice league movie that was released in 2017 wow. uh that one does have the title of jo- of uh, Zack snyder as the director but he left the project early Uh, And Joss Whedon took over during that time. Uh, We'll talk more about, you know, everything that happened there. Uh, But uh, before we do anything, let's talk about the synopsis. So, Jessica, what exactly is going on in this movie? So if you missed Justice League in 2017, here's the synopsis. Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. Yes. Like I mentioned, (laughs) 
Zack Snyder. He is known for movies like 300, Sucker Punch, Man of Steel, um, BVS, Batman vs. Superman, and of course, part of Justice League in 2017. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bobby, uh, do you enjoy Zack Snyder movies by chance? I just wanted to ask you that right up front. Uh, I think I used to a lot more when I was a little younger. I mean, his his style is very like edgy, like like gritty kind of slow mo action all the time, and and that that really uh, catered to my teen sensibilities a bit with my uh, you know listening to My Chemical Romance at the same time or something <laughs> like that. So. <laughs> It's a little different watching it now, but but yeah, I I, I enjoy the stuff. I've noticed that a lot of people will say that it's kind of like he is an auteur for the teenage movie going experience because of like what he dials into is just like hardcore action and using songs in not so subtle ways at all. Uh, <laughs> Slow mo, you know, like all those different things like really is like a teenager's definition of like this is a really cool director type mm -hmm. of thing yeah i've heard that description of him and so uh, we we got a lot of the same thing here in batman v superman <laughs> and also justice league and <laughs> all of this yeah uh so uh writing this particular version of justice league we have chris terrio who also helped out on the 2017 version we have zach snyder who's a writer and will beale uh everybody's pretty much back in this particular version actually they shot more scenes for this like there was a couple of reshoots that they had to do so we have ben affleck as batman we got gal gadot oh gal gadot uh, as <laughs> wonder woman uh ray fisher as cyborg jason momoa as aquaman and ezra miller as the flash uh, there's a ton of other people there's we'll ton get to them of other people, but we're just we'll not... get to them once we, we don't get got time <laughs> so uh, Jessica, how was this received by critics, this new version? Okay, interesting. So right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at a 73%, which is, I find it rather high, you know? It's I not mean, rotten. Yeah. Right, yeah. if you compare it especially to the 2017 version, which was a 40% by, by critics, yes. that's and then a the, difference. The, right, and then the audience score is 96% for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, oh, yeah. The critics' consensus reads, Zack Snyder's Justice League lives up to its title with a sprawling cut that expands to fit the director's vision and should satisfy the fans who willed it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is we have to talk about this right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. How let's this do it. movie got into existence, and it's because there was a rabid fan base. Okay, for, first of all, Justice League 2017 is like well known as like terrible, no good, bad movie that people reject, like outright rejected. The fans rejected it, and they took to social media and every outlet that they could think of to clamor and demand for the true Snyder cut to be released, which is Zack Snyder's original vision for it. Right. So Bobby, what are your thoughts on the way fans kind of were like up in arms any way they could, Hey, give us the Snyder cut. Like what were your, what are your thoughts on that? It, it was kind of like, 
they were just grasping for anything that <laughs> to to grab onto. It felt like you know, it, with the first like massive Justice League movie, which has like you know like the most memorable superheroes of all time to be kind of just average or bad at best it was kind of like well it can't be that there's bad planning at wb or anything it must be that it's joss whedon's fault so it it became like okay hate that guy love Mm -hmm. this other guy and it, it, it almost became like a mythical thing of this this mystical snyder cut that's out there that's that'll be a definitely much better it's it's true don't 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 tell me otherwise because it's definitely out there yeah so it, it was just something to hold on to i guess yeah right. like the fans were violently aggressive on all yeah, the socials totally. god forbid you said something mildly negative about justice league or snyder or the mythical snyder cut um I remember when we reviewed Shazam, right? And I remember saying about the movie on Twitter, like using our account, that I thought it was lighthearted. It it was fun. Like it did have a bit of like a Marvel quality to it. And like the responses to that tweet from like angry people who were just like, Oh, we don't need that dumb child stuff in the DC and like and you know, it's not really in the Snyder in the Snyder vision and all this stuff. And I'm just like, bro, calm down. Relax. Like, Relax. I don't think it's that serious. But it was serious enough because the clamoring got so loud that eventually not only did Zack Snyder start mentioning stuff, but then the stars of the movie started getting in on it. You know, they did a hashtag release the Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. So it got big enough. Like they responded to fans. I don't know how I feel about that portion of it. I don't right. mind director's cuts. That's not a problem to me because every once in a while, a studio will butcher something. Like they'll butcher a movie and it's not the way it was supposed to be. But the way that this was like demanded, like, it's it's our right. We deserve to watch this. It's like, well, no, you don't. But no, you don't. It's, it's entertainment. <laughs> it's entertainment. And if a studio feels like the vision originally, you know, wasn't quite there, then you know that's the studio's prerogative. They're trying to make money at the end of the day. It's their money, actually. <laughs> right. It's their money. They're it. putting the money. But I guess the big thing is, and I we have to mention this is why there was a change at director. Uh, because Zack Snyder, uh, what happened was that his daughter, Autumn, committed suicide while he was pr- uh, producing, making the film. And he he tried to continue on the project, but he, he figured out it was just too much for him. So he left the project. He had to leave. And so they turned it over to Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, if you don't recognize the name, was director of the first Avengers film and Avengers Age of Ultron. He's done a lot of TV work. Uh, I believe it's Buffy. Buffy. Yeah. Buffy. Yeah. So, you know, he has a lot. He's a pretty good writer. A lot of his stuff is like quick uh, quips and funny dialogue and being able to mash things together. But it didn't work for Justice League in 2017. Uh, that movie is very bad. It's a very bad movie. 
it was it was a tonal shift from what you know the the Zack Snyder movies before and like right before it was Batman vs Superman which you know was very Zack Snyder and then Joss Whedon comes in and makes it lighthearted he makes every jokey jokey and you know everybody's kind of like ah we're you know we're strong superhero guys everything's good and um, yeah and that that's just part of why the the fans were angry is just not not to say that there's a long running tone throughout the DC movies but it was just such a change from all the trailers that people were promised all these different scenes in the movie that didn't show up in the final cut. So they thought they're like bait and switched or something at the end of the day. Right. That's how a lot of fans feel about that is that they were not shown what was the ideal. And just like you said, trailers had like shots, original trailers had shots that do not appear in the movie at all. Like not at all. I personally at the time took that as it just didn't make the cutting room floor. That happens all the time. A lot of movies will have stuff in the trailer, but then, you know, they just don't make it into the movie, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But apparently that was not good enough for fans. Like fans were like, (laughs) we want and need to see this. So at the end of the day, I hope this doesn't set a precedent for fans to just be outright outraged if they don't like a certain Mm -hmm. way a certain piece of entertainment is given to us and they feel like they have to demand for its original intention they bullied the creatives and the studio into doing the snyder cut which didn't exist like they were like we know it exists didn't exist at the time they had to create it right so and if you think about it, there's always a director's cut because a director always has a vision. No matter what, there's always a director's cut. Doesn't mean that it's a better movie. There's there's no guarantee of that. So with that, that said, said <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk, let's about, talk this about this. Movie. So yeah. we'll start. Uh, Bobby, I, I want to get your general impressions of the Snyder cut. Like, what did you think about it? What were your thoughts going in and how did you experience it overall? I mean, going in, I was just thinking, man, I hope it's better than the theater release. And I mean, it is overall. It's just incredibly drawn out. It's, you know, the you you could tell that the whole four hour thing was, uh, you know, if you gave a kid in a candy store like a hundred dollars, that's what they did for Zack Snyder and just said, you can do whatever. Here's like one or two restrictions. Make what you want. And WB is like rolling in money because of it. So it's it's definitely his vision. But does it need to be that long, that drawn out? Not necessarily. There's definitely a lot of fat that could have trimmed off. Oh, I totally agree. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Um, I found it to be better for sure over the theatrical version uh, it feels more cur- it feels more coherent uh, mm-hmm. than the 2017 version. The 2017 version just feels Choppy. like just chopped scenes spliced together as opposed to this. This like has like a continuous story, has plots, has characters that actually interact together and you understand at least some character motivations, not all of them, but you can understand better some of the characters and what they're trying to do or what they're trying to accomplish 
Where mm-hmm. as the first one is just a mess and you're just like, what the hell are they doing? What the hell's a mother box? I don't know what's going on. You know, yeah. so but here they actually explain stuff. They they have their time. Too much time, in my opinion. And yeah, there's a lot of fat to trim, a lot of slow-mo to trim. Like the <laughs> amount of up. slow-mo in this in this movie is insane it so Zack snyder is to slow-mo what jj abrams is to lens flares too many (laughs) too many true you know so that is my general experience with it um and i i definitely wanted to discuss the characters but before we do jessica how about you what were your impressions of the snyder cut so i come at this from a very different point of view because Instead of watching Justice League in theaters, I went to watch Coco in theaters and nixed completely the theater experience of watching Justice League and then never circled back on it. So then I just watched bits and pieces over the years because other people were watching it. And I was like, this is shite. Like, I don't understand what's going on. And they were like, yeah, you know, that's pretty much the experience of watching this movie is like what you see is what you get. And so I never watch it from beginning to end. So I thought, oh, I'm in a unique space because I'm basically coming at this fresh. Yeah. And then I also did the same thing with Batman versus Superman. I was like, no, I'm not going to watch that in theaters. That looks shite. (laughs) Never watched it in theaters. I think I've watched maybe 30 minutes of it at the most. And I felt very lucky to like be experiencing like the Snyder Cut. Like I wasn't optimistic about it, but I was like what a time to be alive almost (laughs) so i found it leaps and bounds better than what i've watched of justice league and even bbs i thought it was very cohesive super gratuitous with the director's style and the slow motion and the needle drops and all that i was like okay he needed someone to come in and be like okay (laughs) scale it back You know, you don't need that. You don't need 20 shots of this. You don't need 10 shots of that. Um, You know, but the story itself was a plot, was understandable. I knew what a mother box was. I was very intrigued by the villain who actually had an arc to him. Um, So that was all a plus. I liked the camaraderie of the Justice League. We actually get to see them interacting, like you said, Rico. And the action set pieces were better than what I've seen in a lot of superhero movies and honestly just had an air of like they he knew where it was going to start and how it was going to end instead of just like we'll just see how it comes together at the end which is what Justice League felt like from my limited experience with the original 2017 theatrical cut so overall I quite enjoyed it I thought it was amusing as much as it was like um impressive yes um that villain that you're talking about steppenwolf steppenwolf none of that in in justice league <laughs> like we don't know jack about him in justice right. league when we first he just, saw like, it. lands and yeah, then yeah he just lands and he doesn't yeah. even look like that like he looks no different. i saw a photo of him like yeah. a screen still of the original steppenwolf and i was like whoa that is yeah. night and day different yeah it's, it's night and day different completely yeah. different uh, I, I gotta i gotta say i i much as like the the old movie has hate attached to it 
for Joss Whedon to come into a project that's like, what, 70, 80% done. And then he, you know, tries to like spin it, do reshoots with an actor who can't shave his mustache. So they have to CG his mustache away and, you know, try to piece together what he can. I mean, I understand why it's bad. It's bad. But I, I get it because of, you know, the struggle of having to pick up the 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 juggled balls while they're falling and trying to like get them to a cohesive movie and you know it just just didn't happen <laughs> you right. know right. I think uh, I just think they hired a director that had a completely different style than Zack Snyder and like they mm-hmm. didn't even try to get someone who was going to try and make it still be that vision right right um, you know, and yeah. that's the issue, I think, with the Joss Wheaton hiring, period. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> I agree. It's not an easy job to come in and pick up the pieces of somebody else's work that was so, um, that is, has their fingerprints all over it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel, I feel bad for Joss Wheaton. At the same time, I don't. <laughs> but and, um, <laughs> this Zack Snyder cut or the Schneider cut, as my sister likes to call it, um, was was a triumph. I think it's four freaking hours. That's a lot of footage, a lot of content. Yes, it could have been three and a half. Yes, it could have been three. But um, I think for what it is, it's it's good, really good. I I agree. I totally prefer this version. I, when it comes to the DCEU, the extended universe that they're calling it. Uh, there aren't many movies that I truly like from the DCEU. I do not like Batman versus Superman. I do not like Suicide Squad. I think that, um, what's it called? Uh, Man of Steel works up until they get to the final battle, battle, and that is just a CGI mess. And it makes no sense whatsoever when you're looking at it. Um, and then the other ones are passable. So like Shazam is fine. Like it's, it's fun. It's a enjoyable time. You know, you have, uh, birds of prey. Wonder woman is the only one that I will say that is a legitimate, very good movie Mm -hmm. is that's the one that the one that basically it's the exception to the rule is that one. When it comes to DC movies, this one raised itself up. Uh, up into mm-hmm. that tier just below Wonder Woman for me. I think Wonder Woman is still like in a class by itself with DC movies. And and then like that is just underneath and then everything else below that pretty much. <laughs> Including Aquaman. Aquaman, which again, there's fun moments in that. But again, it's it's just a one time viewing and that was it really Oof, for yeah. Aquaman. Um. So before we talk spoilers, I wanted to get since Jessica, this is like your first time dealing with a lot of these characters, like for like the Flash and even Batman in a certain way, like this version of Batman. Uh, what were your thoughts on those characters that you didn't really experience in other movies? I don't like Ben Affleck, period. So Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, who is inherently an asshole, is like. Fitting. <laughs> ben Affleck as Batman, who is an asshole in this set of like DC movies, fitting. Somehow I still don't like it. Somehow I'm like, 
I just don't like seeing Ben Affleck on the screen. And not to say that I don't like other Ben Affleck movies or his performance in other films, but like him as Batman is just one big eye roll for me. I love Ray Fisher as Cyborg. I literally have never seen him in anything else. I've just basically seen him in a four hour cut of one movie. (laughs) Um, But it really seems to work for me. I had no issues with him. Jason Momoa can do no wrong. He's not the issue with the Aquaman movie. Um, The... uh, Yeah. And then Ezra Miller is so charming, so cute, really the comedic relief of the whole group, even though Jason Momoa was like doing some crazy shit every so often. Um, Ezra Miller is a nice casting for The Flash. Um, He seems very young. He seems very um, uh, kind of like a breath of fresh air because everyone else seems very old. Like even Ray Fisher's character is super mature, like compared to Ezra Miller. And so I quite like that Ezra plays the Flash almost like a fanboy of yeah. superheroes, but he's also a superhero. So that was kind of nice as well. Uh, overall, it was a it was a cool dynamic that they had in this movie, and it's nowhere. It's totally different from the dynamic that you get in like the Marvel movies, which I like. I don't want the same thing over again. Like I don't want a Hulk smash. I don't want a Loki villain. I don't want this. So to have the dynamic be really different, very dark, more serious. Um, they were playing it like they were really high stakes, which is fine. It's a superhero movie. Superhero um, movie. It's a superhero movie. But I quite enjoyed them all together. How did you guys feel about this Justice League? I'll let Bobby go first. Uh, like, were there any... Uh, character moments or just characters in general that maybe you found were better now versus how they were in 2017. Yeah. I mean, for Steppenwolf, like we've talked about already, he was a character this time. He, he has motivation. He has an actual reason to do things. Um, I mean, Henry Cavill is, is I love him as Superman. He's my favorite Superman. Um, so he's he's still good in it as he was in the other one. But but yeah, like Cyborg, he he was pretty much like the big one in the movie. He had the arc. He had you know he was doubtful at the beginning and and you know kind of merged into kind of a hero towards the end. So I think he was kind of like the standout one. You know, Batman, Ben Affleck was kind of just there to keep the plot moving along and Wonder Woman was there to kind of just, you know, move things forward as well. So I think really it was Cyborg. That was the big one. Yeah, I feel like with the Snyder Cut, Cyborg is the biggest winner of any of the characters because the way that he is portrayed in Justice League 2017 versus now is night and day completely different. Like you almost, you don't have almost any of those scenes explaining him and his powers. You really don't. So when you get the introduction here in the Snyder cut, like the entire chapter, I think chapter three is dedicated to Barry Allen and Cyborg. Like those two characters introducing them, we get none of that in in the Justice League of 2017. So yeah. we don't really know like what is the motivation of either character except, you know, Barry Allen like he did visit his father in jail in the original movie like briefly and that's it. 
but we don't get any of the side story. We don't understand those characters. But in this one, we actually do because there was time to develop them. So I think those two characters and Steppenwolf are the big winners with the Snyder Cut change. It was definitely yeah. out of necessity, though, that he had to give them a backstory because they don't have a movie. And actually, exactly. now that I think about it, Aquaman didn't have a movie either when this was uh, when this first dropped in 2017. So it made a lot of sense for him to start beefing up all of these backstories and origin stories and introductions of these characters because why are we supposed to be invested in them if we don't know anything about them? So without the movies that we have now, like Aquaman and Wonder Woman and, um, well, we don't have a movie for Ray Fisher, but you know what I'm saying? It really made sense for him to go back and flesh it out. Um, and that's what I thought was missing from the original theatrical cut was all this connective tissue that made you believe in this, in this team, you know? Yes, exactly. So I think from there, we can go ahead and really dive deep into like the changes and stuff. Uh, So I think it's time for spoilers. But before we get into spoilers, Jessica, what did you give this movie as a score from one to five? Okay, so I gave it a three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I settled at a three and a half as well. Oh, okay, uh, cool. just because of length of time was really mm. the, mm. the driving force. Yes. A four hour movie is not sustainable <laughs> or <No>. rewatchable. <laughs> and how about you, Bobby? What would you give this movie a score if you had to give it a score? I, I did three and a half as well was what okay. I was thinking. Yeah. Three and, awesome. three and a half across <laughs> the board. Us. Look, Look at, at us. us. Who thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that said, let's go ahead and talk about spoilers for the Snyder Cut. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk about what the Snyder Cut has done versus what the 2017 version did. I think that's the best way of attacking. (laughs) What What it's done. done. What has it done to us as a humanity? Uh, So a a couple of quick things uh, just off the top. Uh, The movie is shot in 4x3 versus the theatrical 16x9. It's because Snyder uh, was looking to do it in IMAX. So IMAX has a 4x3 ratio. That's why the HBO version is in 4x3. And also it's rated R. It, that's another difference because uh, there's a little... The, the violent scenes, at least the action scenes, do actually portray blood in some occasions. Mm-hmm. And there are apparently four instances of the F word Uh uttered throughout the, the movie so okay pause. Uh, what, did you guys, what did you guys think of that um i thought it was an interesting choice to have blood being shown because we never ever get blood in any type of superhero movie dealing with people who have like these superpowers where they punch people and they send them <laughs> flying but there's never any like you know physical harm coming to them at all So the fact that, like, for example, when Wonder Woman goes to save those girls at the museum early on in the movie, she flings a guy 
at the wall and there's a blood splatter on the wall <laughs> after she flung him. So like there are actual consequences and there's actual like physical damage that happens when you deal with someone who has powers like these. So I found it a little refreshing at least that there was a, a difference there. Yeah, uh, I liked the rated R aspect. I liked the violence. <laughs> this is terrible to say, but I liked the violence and I liked the, <laughs> you know, not holding back as far as cursing and stuff because the world that they've built is pretty dark. Obviously, the Snyder Cut is even darker than Justice League. Like, literally, the technical aspect of desaturating everything back and making everything really moody, that's his signature. And to make it go along with that, like the language is a little tougher and the the visuals are a little more violent. So I found it very fitting. I liked it. I had no problems with it. I was not I didn't feel like it was jarring in at, at any point. I was just like, oh, like, oh, whatever. Just reacting as I normally would to any other action movie that's R rated. So I found no issue with it. I feel like. Almost it is refreshing, like you said, Rico, where you come from like the MCU and you come from other superhero movies where it's very light. You they want to appeal to the masses. They want to appeal to a younger audience and get those young fans in to see the movie. And then this case, he was like, I don't care. <laughs> like, this is a rated <laughs> R movie. It's not going to see the light of day in a theater. Maybe someday in IMAX, like how I intended it. But like right now it's going to HBO. So. HBO is known for things being a little tougher. They got Game of Thrones. They got True Blood back in the day for for people like me that watch the old HBO stuff. And, you know, they don't hold back. So why not? Like, you know, I'm already here creating my own cut. <laughs> so I yeah. liked it. It was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, a couple of other things, like just these are small things. Uh, the color grading and the color saturation completely different because Joss Whedon use a much warmer tone versus Snyder's. I frankly called it cold. It feels like a cold, almost sterile type of color grading, but he's already established that in his movies. So I'm not going to say, Oh, why did he do that? But that that's his style. So <laughs> it uh, is his style. Yeah. he's going to do that. Um, the big things for me is the backstories, the mm -hmm. backstories for certain characters. Uh, we'll start with the heroes first. Um, Cyborg. That is the big one for me. The fact that that character, you knew nothing about him before the movie and you knew nothing about him after the movie. Because in 2017, it was just like, oh, he's a machine. And I guess he could talk to other machines. That's That's how they basically spelled it out for you. And you had mm -hmm. to really like be invested to get that out of the original format. But here we understand more. Mm -hmm. Not only can he talk to machines, he can manipulate technology in any way he wants to. Mm -hmm. And he, it's a good thing he's fighting for the good guys because that can easily be a very powerful villain. Being able to manipulate any type of technology at your whim. Uh, mm -hmm. So I found that to be interesting. Also, the father-son uh, dynamic. Father-son uh, dynamic was really good. Excellent. I I liked... Okay, so here's the thing. They show him playing football before the accident and before he becomes cyborg. And that whole thing is slow-mo. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
So doesn't, first of all, doesn't need to be slow-mo. It's just done for effect, not done for any sort of grander purpose than that. It's just, oh, I think it'll look cool. And then what I thought should have been slow-mo and was slow-mo was his reaction to seeing the empty seat next to his mom cheering him on, which was his dad being absent, working or whatever. So we get automatically that he is feeling really let down by his dad and then he has the accident and he's his mom dies and honestly like all he's left with is regret and negative feelings toward his dad who now has turned him into this cyborg barely a human like vader style and i like that he doesn't really know what he's capable of until his dad is like okay i know you don't want to talk to me but you know if you don't listen to me as your dad, listen to me as like your scientist, the scientist, your creator. Yeah. So it is interesting to see him kind of explore his superpower essentially in the movie, like in one of the parts or whatever that we see and him kind of that whole sequence of him having that avatar of himself within this like virtual space. Yeah. Was a nice way to visualize him and like how he perceives himself like that avatar and then yeah and then everything kind of being like record ralph style where you see like the inner machinations of digital spaces that have no concrete like thing to see like you know what i'm saying like the space doesn't exist but he can manipulate it and see it and it's very tangible to him so it was good. I liked that intro. I had I had never seen a cyborg like origin story, really. Um, I remember watching like uh, Teen Titans and um, yep. the original like the Justice League animated series. Yeah. On uh, what was it like Nickelodeon or something? Cartoon and that Network. Was really cool. Cartoon Network. Eso mismo. So I but I again like in my whole childhood watching all that, I never really knew like the cyborg um intro so it was cool to see it and and have a really um impactful relationship that is born out of that and is in distress because of that like the father-son aspect so it was good what'd you guys think i know you guys are like it was good we didn't have it before but i'm like i just (laughs) just had it for the first time yeah it it definitely has an added emotional side to it that definitely wasn't there before and it and it it seems like it's it's kind of hit you over the head with it a little bit too like how it it to the point that it gets a little silly for me a little bit where it's like yeah you can see uh cyborg has the power to control the stock market so he pushes away a bull and a bear in that virtual world as a a visual representation of it. And he can give money to somebody who needs it. So he, he expands money out of thin air and builds a stack of cash and then Mm. pushes it towards an ATM. So it's like, yeah, I get it. He's he's on the nose. (laughs) Yeah. It's really on the nose, but it's, it's nice. Like you said, the whole, like seeing the the empty chair, it's like, yeah, got it. He's got a neglectful father. Uh, his mom is there for him, but he's not. There's some something about this dynamic that's not working. So it's definitely the emotional stuff's there. It's just pushed a little a little far sometimes. Where I fully agree with you with it being really on the nose, like the bull and the bear thing. Um, 
And that sequence with him watching this lady and her like social security was <laughs> up on the little screen and like he yeah. saw every CCTV vi- video that there was of her like working diligently. <laughs> and I'm like, but this could be way faster. Like it doesn't take you that long to realize that, yeah, she should have more money in her bank account. Maybe you should reward her for being just a generally a good person. So uh, some of it was too long. Like that was gratuitous. That sequence was really long with the lady specifically that he gives money to. Um, it could have just been faster. Like he look, glances at her little like card <laughs> in that virtual world. And then you see him in real life and she's won that lottery thing and whatever in the ATM. And she now has like a bunch of money. So <laughs> he's yeah. standing like ten feet away from her. He's n- standing obnoxiously her. close, you're right. <laughs> a, a robot man with a glowing red eye standing close to this single mother with two kids at an ATM. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she wouldn't notice him. Okay. So the other intro that we get is the Flash's intro, which is completely different from the 2017 Justice League. We have this whole thing where he's trying to get a job as a in a pet shop or something yep that is correct so here is where we get some needle drop action from snyder and a really long slow motion sequence of him (laughs) saving this cute girl that he just saw and i'm sorry but we also got a close-up of a cgi sesame seed at this point in the movie and i was like (laughs) whoa like if that's not gratuitous, I don't know what is because he had some poor team of designers and like CGI professionals <laughs> come in and like do a sesame seed. So, yeah, the it, that moment felt like a music video to me versus like a movie. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I almost found I it like a negative. Yes. <laughs> a quick question. How do you yeah. guys feel since we're on the subject of Flash, how do you feel his powers are represented, specifically his running style? No, no, no. I was telling Becky this, my sister. I was like, Rebecca, at least they gave him a really floppy, (laughs) weird, memorable running style because it is bizarre. Like the the flourish of the hands and stuff as he's like whipping around his arms and legs it's very haphazard and but at the same time feels like it feels like a choreographed dance versus like a natural run so yeah i think they did it they obviously did it on purpose yeah i don't know if it's just like separate him from like actually feeling like he does a lot of work when he's running like it's almost like oh i'll just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do all this and like he's i'm going swimming. so fast swimming through the area he's swimming through marinara sauce is the closest i could yeah related to. It, it is a, a choice i don't think they needed it but you can't help but be kind of distracted by it when you're watching anything that the flash is doing because he's like like it yeah. just wiggly and <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> It's it's definitely different, and I think it's because they have like a pretty popular Flash CW show where True. he does run like more traditionally, where he's like you know sprinting. So they're like, oh, we got to make it look a little bit different. We got to make it you know appealing. I guess is is the term for it to add a little bit of appeal to it. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. So I didn't have a problem with upsetting the girl, but like the whole how he got there and the way that it was done was not my favorite. The, tr- the truck driver who dropped his burger, who had like carrying like explosive cinder blocks or whatever through downtown. <laughs> and yeah, I, th- that's, I mean, just all of the intro scenes for the superheroes where they showcase their powers or whatever it seemed like they could have simplified it a little mm-hmm. more or yeah. shortened it or like even with wonder woman it was this whole like terrorist threat who wanted to turn europe into the dark ages or yeah, something it was like which, an anarchy group yeah some yeah which group. it could have just been a bank robbery or something they didn't need to you know go off into this separate area but You're right it didn't need to be so complex with like we're gonna reset humanity it's like okay chill <laughs> well that well that made me think like oh this is going to come back later there's mm. going to be the group of the villains or something right and then it and it just never did i was like oh, okay i guess they're yeah. just a couple weirdos yeah <laughs> such an elaborate like villain and then there's no payoff for it <laughs> yeah um what did you guys think of the village song that that girl sings when aquaman disappears <laughs> into the frigid waters <laughs> it's things like this <laughs> That you don't need in the movie. You don't need that. Once you started singing, I was like, you're you're joking. You're joking right now. It was so unsightly and unnerving. Really just kind of grinded the whole thing. Like, Batman's doing his best recruiter with Aquaman. We get a more extended scene with the whole village and the whole thing. And then Aquaman's obviously like, no, I don't want to be part of your team. And disappears into the waters. You could have just had Batman walking away after that. No. They had this girl come in, pick up his clothes off the floor, smell his clothes, and then start singing a chorus song that was, like, really, really awkward. And you've never heard the song in your life. What exactly are they singing? There were no subtitles. Like, what is going on? So, very out of place. I would have cut that immediately if I was <laughs> the editor on this film. Yep. Agree with that for sure. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk about the music really fast because a yes, lot of the music... Yes, it's a battle of the movie scores. <laughs> yeah, because number one, uh, the 2017 version, sorry, um, it was supposed to be J- uh, XL Junkie who... We actually do hear his score in the Snyder Cut, but he was replaced during the whole Joss Whedon thing with Danny Elfman. And mm. Danny Elfman, what he did was, obviously he created a new score, but he actually used old classic, like the 1978 version of Superman. Like he used like the motif from there. He used from his own movie from 1989, Batman. Like he used well, the motif. Well, that's motifs. a great score. <laughs> <laughs> he used the motifs from from both of those scores and integrated it into that. We don't get any of that here. We just get a brand new score from XL Junkie, who also has done uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, so I found it to be okay, the score itself. Uh, the musical choices, so on the nose. Like ridiculously oh, on the nose. Wait, before we get into like musical choices, which I don't know if you have a lot to say about that, but Ancient Lamentation. Bro, <laughs> every time Wonder Woman came out with some crazy move, she just came on the screen, actually. They would play this like. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. It's like 
this lady um, doing this vocal, um, I don't even know what to call it, but uh, let me see if I can imitate it. It was like, ah, it was like that. (laughs) And with like, yeah. So it was so overkill. Yeah, it was. Like, because they played point, it every time. Every yeah. time she came on, they did it, and it was too much. I can understand a smattering of it because it is so, so it like rings throughout the whole movie. It cuts through everything. And when they did it 20 times, it was just like, okay, <laughs> I know Wonder Woman's got her sword out. I know she's doing her thing, but like, relax. It's not for her to like come in with that vocal like singing and every time the subtitles <laughs> said the ancient subtitles, lamentation every time ancient lamentation <laughs> oh god I so i know i I'm know dying. so uh you know points taken for ancient lamentation being overused um but i did like the wonder you know they obviously had the wonder woman guitar riff and everything going throughout i wish i would have had a more to be honest versus ancient lamentation Yes, but agreed. now that we're on the subject of Wonder Woman, what did you guys think of that whole thing where they, the Amazonians, uh, send this flaming arrow into the human world, and she finds it. She understands there is war coming, and it's actually how she figures out like what's going on is because she finds the arrow. She puts it in this like stonewall mold and it opens a sanctum with like elaborate murals thousands of years old illustrating this worst case scenario of dark side destroying earth so my question is are there other rooms there that say what else could happen like more apocalyptic warnings or is this like the only one like only option for that arrow like they send that arrow and it's like, oh, it's dark side. <laughs> or is it like dark side arrow? Yeah. Yeah. Or is it like they send the arrow and it's like, ooh, shoot. Is it door A, door B, or door C that I have to open to figure out right. what's going on? So right. I just found the prophecy slash you know foretold aspect of it. It was good to explain how Wonder Woman knows what's coming. Right. But at the same time, it's like, okay, now I have questions about this whole, uh, you know, setup that they have, because are there other calamities that we're not, uh, you know, we're not seeing? Is this arrow just for one calamity? So um, it opened more questions for me than answers. I think for a lot of people, people are just like, okay, in the original 2017 cut, she just shows up and she's like, there's more coming. And people are like, well, how does she know like all of this stuff? How does she know about the mother boxes and all of this lore? And this completely answers that question, um, which is good. But what you guys, what did you guys think of all that? <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead. Um, so... I think that, well, it's not in the original movie. I think it's fair enough to say that. Um, I find it very convenient when uh, something is laid out as if it's supposed to play out. Um, because there's all these you know, murals and the mother boxes and how they synchronize. And you have parademons and then you, she turns and you can see Darkseid on the wall. 
you know, the big bad, the real big bad. Um, I just find it a little convenient when it comes to writing and plot that, oh, this room has all the answers of what's about to happen. Um, so it's a little too convenient is what I, I find it. So I, I yeah. didn't necessarily like roll my eyes at it, but again, it that's the problem. Yeah, it, it almost, you know, it, it, the, the movie has trouble like grounding itself a little bit at times where it's like, oh, thank goodness that Wonder Woman was next to a TV that had the news story about the building being on fire. Because if she wasn't, you know, if she was in the bathroom at that time or something like she would have never known that right. all this was to happen. So it's very much like, like you said, Rigo, super convenient. And I was confused at first because the Wonder Woman's mom was like, bring my daughter back to us or something like that when she shot the arrow. So I thought, oh, Wonder Woman's going to go back. She's going to go back to the island and she's going to learn from them. There's going to be interaction there. And I was like, oh, no, she's going into the room that... That looks a lot like Poseidon's Fury from Universal Studios. Shut <laughs> up! If you've ever been there. Yeah, up, with yes. like the writing on the on the ceiling, like yeah. So. <laughs> it, oh it, my god! Wait. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. That's a good callback. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's so y'all ride Poseidon's Fury if you have it at Universal Orlando to get <laughs> to get the reference. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So we're all in agreement that it was like funky. Um, so there's another funky line from Wonder Woman because she's fighting Steppenwolf in the first round. And he go, um, he says, this one belongs to me because the parademons start like attacking Wonder Woman. He's like, no, 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 everyone back off. This one belongs to me. And Wonder Woman says, I belong to no one. <laughs> Which yeah. to me says that she didn't quite understand what Steppenwolf was saying because he wasn't saying she like belongs to me. He was saying like, no, I'm going to take her on one on one. (laughs) So it was, it was so out of place. And like, you were just like, really? Like that's what you're going to say? It's almost of all the things. No, I was going to say, it's almost like the line is written before and then they just kind of work backwards from, what they want the scene to be yeah which seems like that's a lot of the movie too is that it's like i want really cool scenes but the uh, we'll figure out how they get together somehow later on and <laughs> yeah um steppenwolf also has a funky line before that just before that because he's interrogating the eight scientists that he kidnapped and one of them says i'll die before i tell you and steppenwolf yeah. says you'll die if you don't and it's like, okay, then there's no incentive. <laughs> there's zero incentive for me to tell you anything because I'm dying either way. Um, yeah, so that was stupid too. Like, yeah. if you th- stop and think about some of these lines, you're like, okay, that was lame. They could have thought through that better. What did you guys yes. think of Mira's British accent? Because um, she me. had an American accent in the 2017 cut. And in Aquaman. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it makes probably the littlest sense to make that change and have her come in and dub it over again. Or unless yeah. originally worse, react to the whole thing with a British accent. So yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't understand that. Did you, yeah, no. Did you also did you also like how 
the Atlantean people spoke through like echolocation underwater. Yeah, but these they have bubbles. to build a bubble. They have to build an air bubble to yeah. talk like normal language. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Like it's like why? <laughs> yeah, because in Aquaman they just talk underwater and they it's just like talk. Fine. Yeah, right, it's yeah, not a thing. But now, like every in the fight on, in Atlantis with Steppenwolf, they had to like open a bubble to say like their cool little lines back and forth to each other. Then close the bubble. Then fight. Then they got slammed against the wall, and it's like, oh, I got to say something. Bubble. Oh, you're, I'm gonna stop you. No, you're not. Close yeah. bubble. Fight and stop yeah. it. Mira had a good moment though. She had a really good moment in that fight with Steppenwolf, where he's about to get to the mother box. She does her bubble thing because she's a waterbender. And because of gravity, he falls and doesn't get to the mother box. And then he goes after her another bubble. <laughs> and this time she has they had their little, you know, back and forth. And she starts sucking the water out of his body. Yeah, blood bending. Yeah. Blood yeah. bending. I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. Because she had him. She had him. She had him. She had him. So I thought that was a great moment for Mira, even if the whole bubble thing was really uneven for that world <laughs> the underwater world um but yeah the blood bending and the water bending was really cool um cyborg oh no we're gonna go to batman because okay. i have some qualms with batman all right here we go so he is like basically hella late to everything in the movie hella late to every battle really useless in every battle and then in the most important part which is like they revive superman they bring him back to life he's hella late to that too like the whole crew is there like waiting for superman to get his bearings and batman's nowhere in sight <laughs> so the he can't fact fly that there. he can't fly there and like why is he part of the team yeah. he can't even like get over a block away to this <laughs> monument. So anyway, I thought Superman, I'm sorry, Batman was like useless throughout 99% of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, yeah. I it was, was so gonna, annoying. Like, he was going to show up out of breath when Superman was alive or something because the other ones just zoomed off and then they're, they're at the fight. Right. So you just see up. him jogging in a Batman yeah. suit. Yeah, in the heavy, you know, wearing all black, so the sun's definitely like making him super hot, and just, <laughs> you know, I'm here, yeah. guys. I'm yeah. here. I'm also here. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, I do like when the it's another Batman useless part, where it's the end of the movie, everything's gone down, and they have this shot of Superman helping Batman climb out of the nuclear stack. Which yeah. is like, okay, so hold on. Everyone else freaking flew out, climbed out, ran out, whatever. And left Batman to climb this nuclear stack out or like, you know, use his grappling hook or whatever. And then at the end, they're like, oh, let me help you out. Let me let me give you a hand out of here. He's, he's tired, man. He's, he did a lot that day. It he, was he so, rest. It was so dumb. Like, I can't even. So... Anyway, one more thing about Batman. So Batman and Alfred throughout the whole movie are trying to get this ship to fly. It's a big like cargo ship or whatever. Yeah. Cyborg gets it up and running with a strange she wants to fly line. Yeah. And then maybe 10 minutes into the final offense that they stage against Steppenwolf, 
the ship is totaled. <laughs> yep. And yes. then in the final sequence, they're all standing waiting for the ship to come and pick them up. Like the crew are there having their final shot, their glory shot with the ship completely fine. She wanted What's to fly, up with Jess. That? She wanted to fly. I don't get what you don't get about this. Batman has to abandon ship and go on his little um, Batmobile. Uh, bat in his Batmobile, yeah. And so and this little Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> this cute, cute little Batmobile. Batman, so cute. Yeah, Yay. so cute. So I have to talk about the pregnancy test. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is a big so, deal. The first time I watched it, I thought, oh, she took the pregnancy test. They sh obviously show the pregnancy test in her nightstand, which the nightstand doesn't look like a lady's nightstand. But beside the point, <laughs> um, she goes into the bathroom and like, uh, I assume that she takes the pregnancy test. On second watch, it didn't look like she took the pregnancy test. It looked like she took her ID like to go back to work and then just mm -hmm. like went into the bathroom to get ready. That's yeah. exactly so. And that's exactly what she did. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't clear on like if she took the pregnancy test. However, oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna add later on in the movie, in the epilogue, we yes. hear uh when Bruce and Clark are talking after he mentions that he bought the bank, that's how he was able to get the house back. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> <laughs> Bobby's head just went back. That was the first one, and I was like, you had the chance to correct that dumb joke about him buying a whole bank instead of just buying the house. The house back. Instead. Very true. Anyway, but sorry. we hear Bruce say to Clark, congratulations, by the way. Right. Which, obviously, it's not for the house. There's The only other reason would be either... Uh, the engagement because Amy's or sorry, Lois Lane's wearing the uh, ring mm -hmm. or she's pregnant. And because they, you know, Chekhov's pregnancy test was shown earlier. Mm -hmm. It has to be that she's pregnant. <laughs> has yeah. to be that she's pregnant. So I looked up the name of the pregnancy test because I had never heard of that kind of pregnancy test. Not that I have all the pregnancy, all the brands of pregnancy tests memorized. But I was like, that's a weird name. Force majeure. Force, force majeure. So I looked it up. It means by law, in the law context, unforeseeable circumstances that prevent someone from fulfilling a contract. Or, in a more general sense, an irresistible compulsion or greater force. Hey. Wow, good job, Zack Snyder. You're Yo. so deep. <laughs> it's so deep. Again, the so master deep. of non-subtlety. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like. So now that we are... Um, yeah, it's too obvious. But is that what you're going to say? Yeah, it's too it's obvious. Too and this is not just in his dialogue, but also in his imagery. It is so obvious that he is using Superman as a Christ figure. Like it's it's without a doubt like this is supposed to be the modern day Jesus Christ because Number one, he was sent here for a reason. Um, in Man of Steel, he doesn't reveal himself until, you know, 33 years old. Gee. Oh, right. Who else was 33 yeah. years old? Um, yeah. Also, like, in Man of Steel and in this one, he does the Christ pose where he, like, extends his arms like Christ. Right, as if he's yeah. on a cross, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, of course, coming back from the dead. 
you know, and, you know, being resurrected and, you know, saving humanity. Uh, like, Zack Snyder's treatment of Superman is not subtle in any way. And he <laughs> basically is just force feeding you, hey, look at this. It's supposed to be Jesus. Hello. <laughs> hey, are you paying attention? <laughs> yes, Zach, yeah. we are. We are paying attention. So I was also yeah. paying attention to Lois Lane, who was walking the city in the early morning hours wearing professional attire and heels, visiting the Superman monument, except she wasn't even on her way to work. She was just doing that like of her own volition. She just yeah. felt, you know, depressed and, and sad and was missing Superman and feeling like she needed to wake up early and get fully dressed and wear heels and walk around the city. So that completely threw me off. I did not believe that for <laughs> one second that a, um, you know, a person that just lost the most important person in their lives was possibly thinking of having children with Superman. And they're just going to walk around looking put together and wonderful hair done and everything. And I'm like, no, I'm looking for sweatpants, T-shirt, you know, yeah. coat, um, sneakers, hair tied up, whatever. Like, you know, give me a depressed person, someone who's really struggling. That's not putting effort into their appearance. Like Lois Lane was like completely like, you know, fine. Yeah. Like she was going into the office. You would think nothing of it. So, yeah, yeah no. Speaking speaking of Lois, I want to get Jill's opinion on the scene. There's a very sweet swoop scene between Lois and Martha Kent, where Martha goes and visits her in her apartment. And she, they have a long, sweet conversation about how Lois needs to move on. She hasn't been going into work. It's, she's depressed and she needs to go on with her life. Clark's dead. Let's, let's move on just like she has. I'm going to let so, you guys take this one. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's it's a really nice scene, but I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. She, Martha Kent leaves, closes the door, has like glowing red eyes appear out of nowhere. And it turns out that it's Martian Manhunter the whole time. Right. And, and it's like, why does Martian Manhunter care about Lois Lane moving on with their personal life? So two things. Number one, I was excited to see Martian Manhunter because he right. is one of the members of the Justice League. So I remember during the marketing campaign for the original movie, uh, it was Unite the Seven. But when you count, there's only six of them. So obviously they were setting up someone to be it. I honestly thought it was going to be Green Lantern just because it, it seemed like the most obvious pick. Uh, but when that came out of nowhere, I was very surprised, shocked, that they introduced the character. But at the same time, just like you said, why is he visiting Lois Lane? Like <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense to go and visit Lois Lane at that moment. But I guess he had to find a way to introduce the character first before we get his reveal later when he talks to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So I yeah. thought it was because it Lois Lane is the key. She is key. She is the key. I don't key know how Martian Manhunter unlocking. would know that. Exactly. But oh, wait. Doesn't uh, Martian Manhunter, can't he read minds? Yeah, he can read minds. He can yeah. read minds. So he can use like that power to be able to uh, connect the dots between different people and what yeah. exactly is is needed. So He, he said something to the effect of, we need you, Lois, or something when he walked out. It, 
it 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 also adds like a whole new thing because he transforms into an army general right after right the general man of steel exactly so he it's one of those like he's been there the whole time what is he you know what is he doing type of thing it is a bit of a retcon yeah it is it is um, it, it it just makes it a little awkward later on when Lois and Martha Kent meet up again when Superman's alive, and I just wanted Lois to be like, "Oh, hey, thanks for coming to my house this week and you know cheering <laughs> me up." And then Martha's like, "What are you talking about? I was at the diner w- or something." Oh, I wanted that too for sure. <laughs> what do you I mean? I wanted that Twilight Zone there. moment where it's like, "I never went to." <laughs> so a couple of a couple of uh big things that i think we should uh touch on uh number one steppenwolf in this movie is not the actual main big bad um in justice league he was there was no hint at all of someone else steppenwolf was it that was that was the villain but in this one the actual villain is dark side Darkseid is the true villain. He is it's not an apples to apples comparison, but he is like the version of Thanos for the DC universe in a way. Um, you know, a destroyer a destroyer of worlds who, you know, wants to be able to control life as it is. He has Josh Brolin's chin. So <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. yeah so uh, Steppenwolf was like a. He's a mini boss leading up to the, uh, the mini boss, boss to the big boss. A yeah. follower, yeah. but he was not in his good graces. So he was no. like trying to make up for whatever failures he had committed before. And so he was like hell bent on pleasing Darkseid, which Darkseid spelled S E I D, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. S E I D. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. That is correct. So I obviously they were trying to set up a larger story for that for for sequels going forward because mm-hmm. you could tell he was going to be the big bad of this franchise. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention as well is that near the end of the movie, this is the thing that a lot of people have been talking about, and it is the nightmare sequence is what people call it, the nightmare sequence. Uh, We saw a version of this in the 2017 movie. Not quite like this, though, because in the 2017 version, we get Batman, the way he's dressed with like that jacket and the goggles, but he's kind of like on a one-man mission, and then Superman gets him, and Superman like has these soldiers who follow him and everything. Uh, so it's slightly different. It's still like an apocalyptic looking world. So it's, that was similar. Uh, but in this version, we have like a different Justice League, really. This is like an alternate timeline Justice League. There's or no future. Aquaman because he's dead. Uh, there's no Lois Lane because apparently Batman's at fault for her dying. Right. Um, and inside of this group of people, we have Batman, we have Mira, who's taking Aquaman's spot. We still have Flash. He's a little older with a mm-hmm. different suit. We have Cyborg. We have Deathstroke, who we just saw in the scene before yeah. with Lex Luthor. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And then, surprisingly, and I think everybody was 
excited for this. I don't know why, because I think his version of Joker sucks. But uh, Jared Leto's Joker shows up in this scene. And apparently they're working together. Like they. Yes. They're working together to try to undo whatever it is Batman did in this timeline nightmare sequence. What did you how did you guys feel about this entire sequence? It was baffling to me. I mean, I'm not a reader of the comics. I'm a very casual film watcher of superhero movies and most likely a hater of superhero movies. So to see this really elaborate epilogue, which was super long as it is, and then even more this huge nightmare sequence on top of it with characters who I understand to be in this movie, you know, in a certain place, some of them not in Justice League. And, you know, the dialogue was really hard to follow. I was like, okay, so Batman killed Harley Quinn. Batman killed Lois Lane or is at fault for Lois, Lois Lane's death. Um, Aquaman died somehow and Superman killed him because Miro wants to exact some justice and is carrying around his trident. Like it was like I had to like dissect everything that they were saying and again it was also filmed Zack Snyder has a style this was an even more of his style so it was like very narrow depth of field really bad shaky cam a lot of like hazy out of focus things and then you had this Jared Leto dude like really hamming it up as the Joker and I don't like that Joker so it was like so many things on top of each other and I was like you could have just done you could have just stopped, you know, after the Lex Luthor thing or what have you and not had this really ominous nightmare sequence that could have been an alternate universe, like you said, Rico, or a future that they because when they were resurrecting Superman that um, the ship, the Kryptonian ship, like, oh, the future has taken root. Right. So this yeah. could be a future, not an alternate, um, you know, timeline or whatever. And it was like really unfriendly to I feel like the casual person like me who's like just give me the bare minimum I don't want to be spoon fed and I also don't want to be like have everything go over my head which was how this part of the epilogue felt to me I figured it would for a lot of people who again like you who just is casual viewer understands who the characters are but they're not like going through and looking at comics or anything like that you know and even to me i was like what i thought it was an alternate timeline (laughs) i honestly thought it was an alternate time like oh this is what could have happened if you know they they screwed it up and it turns out it wasn't it was a nightmare (laughs) right which is a cheap shot (laughs) yeah Yeah. especially so late does it matter does it matter or not like it, it, it was very, like, it, it felt like they were trying to lead into something else because the Flash was wearing the suit that he showed up in in Batman versus Superman. There's, like, a shot in there where he entered Batman's dreams there, too, and he was wearing that suit, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm too soon, and then he, like, goes away, and Batman wakes up. So I think, like, they were trying to, like, z- zip up that issue that everybody was wondering about and if if they were going to do that they should have done that earlier in the movie oh yeah yeah i 
like if you're going to have this scene, which again, I don't think is that necessary because again, where it comes at the end of the movie when they've already resolved the conflict, if they would have put this before they decide to resurrect Superman and this could be like a trepidation that Bruce has in the back of his head, like what if it doesn't quite go right? Yeah. Like if, if if they put it there, it would have made more sense. But and this just as feels, well. yeah, tonally as because well. Because you already just came from like you know Superman is like ripping open his shirt because and he has the suit underneath and that it's ending on a high note. Everything's kind of resolved and then you have this really dark epilogue <laughs> that is you don't know what it is and it doesn't have much context except oh now it's a nightmare and then it's followed hot on the heels of a real Martian Manhunter intro. Which we like, so it's like weird. It's weird. It's a weird placement for it, is what it's I would say. It's a weird placement for it, and I don't think they should have included it. Like, <laughs> yeah, because the whole time I was like, okay, Jared Leto's going to show up at some point. When's it going to happen? And then it was like hour three, and I'm like, when? When's Jared Leto going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're getting close to the end. What's gonna What's gonna happen now? And then it, you know, it was tacked on at the end. For me, but. I was. It felt like I was dreading that moment uh, because I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, yeah. There's two last things I want to talk about in, in general. Uh, number one is the scene with the Flash at the end in the in oh the God, final yes. battle. Yes, yes. I yes. want to talk about this scene because this scene again, not in the 2017 version. Uh, Flash actually barely has anything to do in the 2017 version. Uh, but in this version, he he gets to have his shining moment. And the shining moment is when he reverses time. Does uh, he reverse time or does he go back in time? I think he reverses time based on... Uh, Bobby, do you watch you watch The Flash? I've, I've seen a little bit of it. Not, not too much, but... Gotcha, because I know that in the show they explain it um it's he i i am not as well versed i'm not as well versed in the flash but i do know that when he runs so fast he can start manipulating time in some way okay either either by reversing it um going back in it or even branching off into alternate realities okay so that's what i was thinking Okay, that's fine. So the shot of Barry <laughs> running <laughs> as the world literally recomposes around him. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yes, Snyder, go get it. Because it was so good. I love the visuals of it. And then the importance of actually, you know, Barry is making this future. He was like, you know, no future, no past, just now. And, you know, it, it is his like moment to shine. And it's a lot of payoff. I feel like this moment and in general, like the third act of the movie, not the epilogue, just like, you know, of the six parts is payoff. That's like my main takeaway because, you know, they had that moment when they were resurrecting Superman where he does seem to turn back time for a moment and yeah. then it goes back forward in time. And that moment is paid off later when he's like, okay, I got to go back I gotta go run faster than um, the, the speed, speed of, of light. sound, the speed, of light. speed of light, speed of light. Yeah, 
and you know, we'll see, he does it. And that moment is so cool to watch. And then there's this very gross shot of Superman and Cyborg's flesh and blood recomposing. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> because they get they get destroyed or exploded or something when the mother boxes finally unite. And wow, um, didn't need that, but it was interesting. <laughs> and then, you know, everything comes together when he gives that electrical charge to Cyborg, and Cyborg sees a visual representation of the mother boxes in that weird virtual space that he can access. Yes. So I like that the mother boxes were like these old haggard skeleton ladies or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it didn't make sense if they were like male or, you know, masculine in any way because they kept calling them mother boxes. But so I like that they were like weird, ugly, you know, were they even human? Like, I don't know. Like, so it was cool. I, I really enjoyed that final sequence. And then it culminates in them beheading <laughs> Steppenwolf. So, yeah. yes. So it's very much like, you know, they did it. They came together. Flash started this whole thing. And then, you know, Cyborg came in with his part. And it was like everyone had their moment. Yeah. Yeah. And they were working as a team. So it was awesome. I was. really liked that scene. Yeah. The the final fight in itself, you know, it's super stylish, super cool. You know, Superman showing up right at the right moment and beating the snot out of Steppenwolf was, you know. <laughs> Just it's, wailing it, on Steppenwolf. Yeah. It's like everything's cool. Like all the whole movie of waiting, waiting, waiting. It's not like. Yes, now they're doing it. Now they're doing what they needed to do throughout the whole movie. They're all, everything, the stars aligning and everything perfect. So, like, the action definitely was probably, like, that That was, like, the, the pinnacle of, of the movie right there. It was very improved upon what we saw before. And, yeah, Steppenwolf wasn't ready to catch those hands. He was not <laughs> nope. ready. He was not so uh, was there any significance to the black Superman suit? Because I didn't really catch. I don't really know the lore yes. of the suits and yeah. stuff. Well, yeah. the the most important thing to know is that one of the biggest events ever in comic book history is the story of the death of Superman. The, there was an, an entire comic arc where Superman dies like he he is dead. Um, and so that was a huge deal. And so eventually... They they do a, an entire arc to re- resurrect them, and when they do resurrect them, he does not quite come back as the same goody two shoes, red and blue suit Superman. Um, instead, he takes on not an alternate persona per se, but uh, just a slightly different version of himself. And so that black suit with the silver is fashioned for him as a a different type of Superman still willing to fight for us still, you know, a hero, but not as like the iconic, you know, very Americana. like you know, Americana type of Superman. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. He had a mullet too in the comments. Yeah. He had a mullet at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you <laughs> Snyder for not making Henry Cavill sport. A mullet. Okay, so I wanted to bring up a couple things that were kind of like nitpicky. So, um, Victor Stone's father stays inside this laser box and gets destroyed 
while superheating the mother box that he has. And I think um, he could have lived. <laughs> um, he could have totally just hit that button outside of this this box, this yeah. thing that contains the heat. Um, I thought that was rather stupid once you stop to think about it. And also, Martha Kent lost the farm, but she didn't clean out the house. She left all the furniture, even Clark's clothes, <laughs> in the house. <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me. Um, I personally thought, because I don't know the lore, I don't know all these characters, that when they introduced Joe Manganiello, I thought he was Wade Wilson because he said, oh, Mr. Wilson. And he looks kind of like Deadpool a little bit. But no, he's Deathstroke, a totally different dude. (laughs) And this whole thing was setting up a Batman solo movie, which we will never get. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He he's he's Slade Wilson, so not Wade Wilson. That's, Slade. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He, the, he, you'll notice that Marvel and DC stole from each other a lot throughout the years, and uh. Marvel stole Thanos's design off of Darkseid, and so Darkseid was first, and so they're they're constantly like taking stuff from each other. So that's uh, Captain Marvel was originally a character from D- DC, but then you know Marvel sued. And now he's Shazam. Yeah. Uh, so like <laughs> stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. They, they, it's almost like comical how they how they do it to just kind of like jab at each other. Like like Deadpool's more cool than Deathstroke is, and I stole like your design <laughs> and and your name. So <laughs> check that out. So right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last thing I want to talk about from at least for me is there's one point that I don't understand still. And oh okay. Unless they make more movies, I they just leave it for me not to understand. Do any of you know what they were talking about when they said the anti-life? Um, oh, the anti-life equation? Looked, yeah. It's yes. into the earth? Yes. Yeah. The dark side put there, but now he has to find again? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That- um. Hmm. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand do you, it. Do you want the after- long answer or the short answer? Oh, good. You know. Perfect. <laughs> Let me get the short answer, please. So this is the whole thing about like comics are like crazy convoluted at this point, And there's like weird gods. And, and so like dark side is like a new God. And so he has power beyond imagine. But apparently the anti-life equation is a mathematical code that when you read it aloud to someone, you impart uh what's the what's the word for nihilism practically in the person and you can take control over them so it's it's imparting ultimate despair and and the ruthlessness of life and how it doesn't matter and so that's like dark side's whole thing in the comics is that he wants this so that he can take over worlds and they can all become his and yada 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 and like it's at the point where like dc laid out what the equation is and i have it if you want to know what the equation is What's the equation? You know yeah. what it is. Is it sugar, is spice, and everything nice? Like, what is it? It, it sounds like a spell. <laughs> like yeah, it is. All right. Loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair uh, plus self-worth divided by mockery divided by condemnation <laughs> divided by misunderstanding multiplied by guilt multiplied by shame times failure times judgment and n equals y where y equals hope and n equals folly 
Love equals lies. Life equals death. And self <laughs> equals dark side. Oh my gosh. That is yeah. unbelievable. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, wow. That is outrageous. Could you imagine the hubris of these comic book writers that are probably <laughs> hopped up on cocaine thinking like, this is the equation that will prove that life is meaningless. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It looked like, oh you know, uh, a nice, like, you know, <laughs> a tramp stamp tattoo carved into the earth. Um, <laughs> <On> earth. <laughs> in the <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That is so much worse than I thought. Okay. So <laughs> speaking so of, I know. So speaking of this, um, <laughs> this equation, Let's talk really quick about that sequence, which is the first uh, uh, rebellion against oh, Darkseid yeah. and his um, invasion of Earth and his like trying to destroy Earth. Because right. I was very into that whole sequence of like the battle that happened 5,000 years ago, apparently, with the Amazonians and the Atlanteans and the Vikings and the old gods. Like Artemis was there with her arrow and Ares was there from Wonder Woman and the most hottest version of the uh, Greek god Zeus was there and yeah. it was freaking epic and, and a green lantern was there and as a well. green lantern was there too for good measure it was fantastic I would highly recommend you watching that 10 minute um, <laughs> sequence if you get the chance because it was so sweeping and large scale and establishing and i was not expecting that whatsoever i understand that was not in the 2017 cut so not quite like that I, no so it made a lot of sense later when uh they steppenwolf was like oh earth we're, i'm this is the planet that rebelled they um i forget what the wording was that he used but it was basically like this is the one that didn't accept defeat you know Right. So the one that fought back, which and I have a was question. Like, uh, Dark side's looking for this planet. He's not going to remember what planet it was that beat almost him. killed him. <laughs> yeah. the, one, the one planet, yeah. the one planet that almost killed him. He doesn't remember he doesn't the name of it, her. where it was. He okay. doesn't remember yeah. any of that. Like he needs I, the mother boxes to know where it is. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. I would agree. The only thing that gives me pause is that they were like, oh, I've conquered thousands, 500,000 um, worlds or whatever. And I'm like, OK, I can get that. Like maybe you had a bad day once and you kind of wake up and you've lost a lot of blood and you're like, wow, that was a shit. <laughs> that was a shit planet. <laughs> and you don't want to go back and you just kind of lose the memory of it. and you just move on to like the other hundred thousand planets that you're going to destroy. So. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid that he doesn't remember which planet he left his little boxes on and his own equation on as well. I but. still remember a playoff loss that I played in a basketball game in 10th grade. I remember we lost 66 to 63. <laughs> I still remember the score. And I remember yep. my teammate took a desperation three-pointer to try to seal the game, <laughs> to tie the game. And it bounced right off the rim out, and we were eliminated from the playoffs. So if I can remember that, I'm pretty sure Darkseid can remember an ass-kicking. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It, like, yeah, you know. it's 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 really weird. Is what it's I found weird. it to be. He, he got it's hit weird. on the head and he got amnesia. I don't know. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, any right, other major else? things? Because uh, I, I'm I out of stuff. So. I, everything that I wanted to talk about, I kind of already we got out there. We don't get the Flash and Superman race scene. No. No, no we, we don't. don't. And that was a that was a post credit scene anyway, really. Mm. Uh, oh, uh, one last thing, I guess, is Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor... Um, you mean uh, Mark Zuckerberg? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> and <laughs> so we we have seen this scene. This scene was a, uh, let me see, it was an after credit scene for either Suicide Squad or Justice League. I can't remember which one, but it was. And we got most of the same plot beats like, you know, Destro comes on board. You know, I'm forming a group. Basically, it's the Legion of Doom is what they're forming on their end. Uh, by the way, side notes, the Legion of Doom, anytime I hear that, I think of the old Justice League cartoon, like, I mean, from back in the day, from the 60s, and with the old voice, Don Pardo, <laughs> he would be like, meanwhile, back at the Legion of Doom, like, yeah. and that's how it, like, it would be. It, it was hilarious. Um, so he's recruiting, but this the difference here is that he he knows who Batman is. He he actually gives out the name. Yeah, Bruce Wayne. I we didn't see that before. So oh, we did. Okay. No, he we didn't know that before. He never mentioned it before. So the fact that he knows it would have created, and maybe it still does. I don't know. Uh, a different dynamic for the franchise going forward. Um, I guess that's the last question I want to ask. Do you think with Everything that's going on with it seems to be a success. Do you think that with this perceived success that we're seeing, Warner Brothers would be open? You know what? Hey, Zach, would you be interested in continuing the story? Do you think that would happen? I I mean, I think so, because it's supposed to be a trilogy, the Justice League movies. And right. I, I get the feeling that he was trying to pack everything in that he could because he thought it was going to be his last movie with them. Mm. But now that, I don't know, HBO Max subscribers probably shot up crazy amount last weekend for people wanting to see it. You know, the, the money goes the right way. I'm sure they'll bring him back. I mean, I want to be the pessimist and be like, no, this was a complete shit show and a PR nightmare. And social media was like lit for years in the wrong direction (laughs) for this (laughs) franchise. And, you know, I think the DC, not DC, I want to say Warner Brothers has proven that they can't really plan out well. Um an extended universe like the MCU has over the, over a decade. Like I said, like Aquaman didn't come out until after Justice League. Wonder Woman was late. We never got a Flash thing. We never got a, a Cyborg thing either. So it feels like if they wanted to continue it, they would have to do the work and actually introduce these characters or give them their own movies. And I just don't see that happening. And same thing with like the Martian 
Manhunter. Like, I would rather yeah. see them, like, try and do a good Green Lantern movie. And then if they do it, then I'll be like, okay. <laughs> now they can introduce Green Lantern in the next one and flesh out the Martian and whatever else and actually go through with a Justice League extended universe like they should want to do with this really incredible IP. But I just don't see it happening. Like, they don't have the organization <laughs> All right, so here is the list of movies that the DC side has coming out. Like they have it planned, or they're already filming, or they're done filming. So uh, later this year, we have The Suicide Squad. Uh, this is, I don't even know what to call this because I, I, it's not a remake because Marco Robbie is still playing, you know, Harley <laughs> Quinn, but right. everybody else is different, you know? Um, that comes out later this year, August 6, 2021. Uh, we have The Batman, which comes out in 2022 with Robert Pattinson. But that's Robert Pattinson as Batman. Right. A different Batman, a different, uh, you know, thing going on there. Uh, we have The Flash is getting his own movie. That's oh, okay. being released in 2022, November 4th. Uh, that one has Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck in it ben yeah. affleck and <laughs> so yes yeah. and also uh just recently the director andy muschietti who is directing it uh he recently did a zoom call with an actress and gave her the role of supergirl so yeah. supergirl is showing up in the flash movie out of nowhere uh so yeah. That's what's coming up from DC. And obviously Aquaman 2 is also on 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 schedule to be released in 2022 as well. Also Shazam Part 2 as well, 2023. Uh, and I almost forgot about this one. I know, right? Um, I almost forgot about this one. And it's uh, Black Adam with uh, The Rock. Dwayne yeah. The Rock Johnson Dwayne. and Noah Centineo, um, which they haven't released the date. But I remember during like this DC like event that they had last year uh, through. I, I, I can't even explain it. It was some weird event that they had online. It was supposed to be like a Comic-Con, but, you know, everything was done <laughs> through Zoom. Uh, and yeah. like he introduced the movie and int- introduced characters and everything. The Rock was like really pushing this out there and but they didn't give us a date so who knows when that's going to come out but that's the, like their next slate of movies so i don't see a window for justice league to actually happen there yeah they, yeah I don't. they have this air of like yeah we know what we're doing but we don't because they're constantly changing so yeah. it's they could combine everything because it's there's supposedly supposed to be a green lantern thing because he was the green lantern is supposed to be the cameo who talked to bruce wayne at the end of justice league but they changed it because they had plans for him later on but right. like there's a way they're big on like dc comics in general is big on like the multiverse thing like there's all these different universes and they all combine into a big infinite crisis that happens so it's they the dc has like or warner brothers has the ability to say like yeah we knew all along what we were doing having a walking phoenix joker movie alongside ben affleck at the same time and it's they're all just separate universes and they're all going to combine at some point but it's just not as organized 
as uh, as yeah. Kevin Feige organizes Marvel, you know. Right. And I think that's what the whole uh, purpose of Snyder in charge was supposed to be, was supposed to be he was shepherding this entire storyline, all these different movies together. But again, it doesn't really work with someone like that. You need someone who's not hands on making the movies. You need someone behind the scenes who can operate like Feige does. Feige Mm -hmm. is basically connecting with people like, hey, you're directing this movie, but that director needs to know what you're doing in order for the stories to flow. Zack Snyder's uh, not really doing that. Yeah, he's a project manager. Yeah, project manager. There you go. Uh, Zack Snyder's not really doing that. He's too busy with his own vision. He's not really going to be able to properly communicate to other directors this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm, this is my vision, you know? So I don't think we'll see another Justice League in this iteration. These actors, maybe sometime in the future when DC gets their stuff right, maybe we'll see something, but not with these actors that we have now. That's my thought. Yeah, I agree. All right. So <laughs> I think that, I think we did it. We, We're done. <laughs> We're done. Uh, We talked a lot about this movie. It talked a a lot about the differences between the 2017 version and, of course, the Snyder Cut, the infamous Snyder Cut. Uh, And we came with a generally positive view on the the movie. Again, we believe that it could have been shorter. Um, No sesame seeds. No hot dogs. No need for a sesame (laughs) seed in slow-mo. Uh, also, I don't need to hear another ancestral lamentation. I got enough of them in my lifetime. So I think we're good to go there. Uh, now, if you if this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us on this episode. I know this is a big deal. If you tuned in because you saw people reacting or, you know, talking about the Snyder Cut. Thank you for giving us a shot. If you like what we said, let us know on social media at Always Critic Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can go ahead and let us know there. Uh, Jessica, if they want to listen to us, where can they listen to us? Everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and so many more. Please, if you like us, if you remotely don't like us, don't do this. But if you like us. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars. Otherwise, like Rico says, it's just pity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and finally, uh, if you really enjoy the show, already subscribe to us and want to help us out even more, consider being a Patreon member. Uh, you can reach that at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. With that being said, I want to go ahead and thank Bobby for being on this episode with us. Bobby, uh Anything exciting or anything that we should be aware of before we let you go? Uh, no, just uh, just hanging in there. Thanks for having me on. It was a great, great time <laughs> talking about the, the the movie. So thank you for having me. No problem. Now you can have yes. a loop of Sonic and Snyder Cut Justice League just going back and forth now. Perfect. Finally, a four-hour <laughs> breather between between your viewings of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. <laughs> so, with that being said, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. 
And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always a Critic Podcast. Thank you.